0: With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2, 5, 10, or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. This Digital Noise episode also has a video version for subscribers at the brown coat level or above. Become a subscriber and get the extended video version. Is everybody ready for a new episode of Digital Noise? Oh my God, it's a new episode of Digital Noise. This is the part where Aaron and I dance. It's not really a jingle. We're just like making shit up. Making shit up! (laughs) Making shit up!
1: I do kind of want to do an actual jingle now and like come up with it and get into
0: it and do it every single time.
1: I mean, not really. I have too much on my life right now, but I like to.
0: Uh, like a whole mixture of things that like sound like the blues but aren't because mm-hmm. exactly. blue, gray, whatever. But there's yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we're not doing that today. Today we're just gonna talk about fucking movies that we got sent on Blu-ray to talk. You know, I mean, we got enough of that, all right. And we got some weird, weird off the books shit. shit to talk about this week, right? Yeah, yeah. We got some stuff you wouldn't expect. For people to go, we're going to talk about that. But this week, that's what we're going to talk about. And and delightfully, uh, it has ended up that
1: my wife watched like half of these with me. So I got to expose her to at least two of the three weirdest shit ones. So
0: it was a fun time. (laughs) She picked a weird week to want to sit in on the recordings. That's for sure. (laughs) But let's uh, just jump right into it. Aaron with... The haunting, and no, sorry, I'm not talking about the 1963 British version that everybody genuinely loves. I'm talking about the 1999 Jan de Bont remake that everybody hates. Wait, is it Jan de Bont? I thought it was Jan de Bont. That's how i pronounced it? it for years. I don't know. Dude, I'm like the worst American. You're probably right. I have no idea. But he is Dutch. He did Speed, which is great. He did Twister, which is a movie I like and I, everyone makes fun of me no, for okay. liking. I,
1: I dig Twister. It's great.
0: Okay. Fair enough. I, I'm glad to see him. I, not the I only technically
1: realized that I'm a pretty huge fan of Yann DeBont. <laughs> like, when, when looking through his filmography.
0: He's only done a handful uh-huh. of movies. He did those two. And then he did the sequel to Speed, which largely killed his career. Mm-hmm. Because uh, it was so bad. Then he did this movie, The Haunting, which also bombed. And then he did Lara Croft Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, the 2003 one with Angelina Jolie. So the sequel, I guess, is that the, wasn't that the sequel? I think Cradle of Life was the second one. Yeah. Was. OK. So, yeah, he's as a director. And it, it did not go well for him. He's won multiple Golden Raspberry Awards, which is a shame because everybody lo- everybody goes. Speed is a good film, right? We're like, yeah. That's a good movie. But the haunting, I felt, was unfairly maligned. Oh, my God, I said it. I'm going to hide now. Nobody throw things at me. So when it
1: came out, it came out right in the rising trend of pg-13 horror movies because you know scream hit it big and slashers had this resurgence in the early 90s and they got super violence and fun and slick and then studios started going well you know we kind of want the the younger crowd we want people who will go see a pg-13 movie without people getting gutted and so there was this like Withdrawal. Just going like, ew, that's not an R rated horror. I only go see R rated horror around this time. I distinctly remember saying that exact same thing when this movie came out because I refused to see it.
0: Fair. Okay. Also, I think the original was at least by horror snobs, and I can be a horror snob, so I'm not throwing other people's just only the bus, but. I, they were like, no, you don't get to remake The Haunting. You're like, okay, first off, that movie wasn't an original movie. It was an adaptation of Shirley Jackson's The Haunting on Hill House. It was pretty different from the book, in fact, as well. So it already was like taking some liberties as it was. This was like, well, here's a different interpretation of that book. And well, a very, very different interpretation of that book. I mean, hell, the series that we everybody fell in love with last year is wildly different from the yeah. book or either one of these two versions, so whatever. The upshot is this was... fell into a lot of the traps a lot of the films at this time did, which is that an over-reliance on CG before the technology was good enough to do that. Where it's like, oh, major parts of the story will represent the really shoddy fucking CD, and yes, that definitely is an issue here, but I <laughs> <That> think... <happens. laughs> yeah, but I think at its soul, like... I think the performances are all fun to watch here. Everybody is like sort of playing it up and chewing up the scenery. I think uh, uh, the base concept is still good. And I think it loses its way when in this particular case, you've got... Liam Neeson is the doctor who's like, hey, I'm gathering these people to do a study on fear, but I'm not telling them I'm doing a study on fear by bringing them into this famously haunted place, only I don't think it's actually haunted. So he brings in Catherine uh, Zeta-Jones, Owen Wilson, uh, my goodness, who is Lily uh, the Lily Taylor. Lily Taylor, and Lily Taylor is the one the movie makes very clear right from the beginning. Okay, she's that main character who kind of, like, is the only one who actually is seeing ghosts in the original. And this is kind of playing with that, that everyone's seeing kind of stuff that's like, oh, that that thing's old. It just fell apart. You know, creepy coincidence stuff. But she's the only one who's literally seeing the house bend and twist and move and shit. So no one really believes her. And that's very much like the original. But then the movie goes, <laughs> ah, fuck it. And just says, like, everyone come into this room right when the room itself has turned into, like, the whole room, like, comes alive like an end boss at, in Devil May Cry or something in one of those games. Which, and everyone's like, holy shit, that's a thing. Like,
1: giant purple and gold eyebrows and, like, eyelashes and everything. But, like... So that is what I ended up really appreciating on this movie, watch, And I'm really glad that this movie came up cause, just because I got to give it another real chance. Uh, it, it's a roller coaster ride. Uh, as much as they do focus too much on the effects, it's still fun to watch, like, you know, ghost babies fly all over the place and the house move and shit. And there's giant Volkswagen sized lion headed pendulums in this movie. And the house is gorgeous this is one of those movies like 13 ghosts where they're like yeah like let's be honest one of the reasons you're watching this movie is just to go man i wish i could live there
0: yeah the house is amazing it's so amazing i was there's a place in the library where there's like water and they have like book footrests like, as if there are books that are coming up out of the water that you stand on to get across the little sort of water path. And I was like, what is, that's a, why is that even there? I don't care. I want it. I want that in my house. I will say, though, like, out of the
1: entire cast, the person who I ended up really caring for the least is uh, Lily Taylor. She plays this very subdued character who, like, starts the movie basically getting forced out of her home by her brother and his wife and then falls into this and she just her character is someone who she's a passive person who has dedicated her life to caring for her sick mother and then basically falls into that exact same role and she ends up almost starting or almost ending this movie exactly where she started just in a spiritual sense and like that that really bugged me especially when i found out that they had a, a. They had a hint of a lesbian plot between her and Catherine Zeta-Jones in the movie originally, but had to cut it because that would have actually given her something interesting and given this movie more than just this is a fun popcorn movie with bad effects. Have fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that's what it is. It's, it's, It's weird, which is, you know, I mean, like even more so than all those Castle Rock Entertainment films that you're talking about, like Ghost Ship or whatever. I enjoy this more than those films because this one is just so downright weird. Those fall into the same... Okay, we're just going to the same fucking thing we've seen in a billion horror movies. This makes bizarre choices that make no sense. But that's part of the entertainment value (laughs) of watching this that is just so fucking weird. Now, the third act, I'm kind of... The first two acts, I'm like, I'm with this movie, man. I'm like, "It's, it's not a good movie, but it's a really entertaining film and the house is great. The characters are kind of great, except for Lily Taylor, who you're right, is kind of like a wet blanket. And... You know, what's there not to like? Other than if you're going to be like, well, that's not like the original haunting, blah, 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 blah. But the third act totally falls the fuck apart, man. It's just like embarrassingly terrible. (laughs) Honestly,
1: all of my problems with the movie end up being because of that third act. Like if you retool that a bit, change how a couple of the characters end up and maybe add some connective tissue, basically make another script pass. Uh, This could be a really good movie through and through, but it is what it is.
0: Yep and it's getting re-released in a surprisingly attractive little packaged set I was like oh this is really nice the way they got the slides into the case and it fun. it's got the, the fold open with the pictures inside I'm like this is a lot more trouble than it seems like it was worth going into for this particular movie and it's a really great upgrade it's a great transfer to 1080p it looks terrific yeah. it sounds really good it's 5.1 lossless soundtrack there's a few special features here two featurettes Jan de on on the, the haunting for about nine and a quarter minutes, which is a new retrospective of him talking about it. And then a 27-minute behind-the-scenes featurette that was uh, made around the time the film came out that's hosted by Catherine Zeta-Jones. So it's not a lot. I mean, you're getting this if for, if, for anything because you want the new Jan de looking back on... One of the two films that are remembered fondly (laughs) at all by a few people from him. I don't know. Largely not remembered fondly, but I remember it fondly. There's more than enough good stuff here that's cool and weird and crazy that I like rewatching this one, uh, even despite the fact that when you put it all together, it totally falls apart. Oh, like this is a
1: great example of just a quality B popcorn movie.
0: Like, it has some flaws. It
1: could be better, but it is an undeniably entertaining and just strange ass movie.
0: Well, next up, we have the 2019 British romantic horror film written and directed by Emily Harris called Carmilla. Now, this is in- inspired by the 1871 novella of the same name that was one of the very first books of vampire fiction. This actually uh, predated Bram Stoker's Dracula by 26 years, originally uh, published as a serial. Interestingly enough, it also features, you know, lesbian subtexts in it for sure. Even the original piece here and various adaptations over the years have certainly played that up. And this new one, well, you can bet being that it's 2019, that they lean into that subtext. Oh my goodness, do they?
1: One of the things that I love most about vampire lore is that the CD sex oriented like vampiros lesbos take on the vampire is a legit part of the vampire lore and has been there since the very beginning it makes me so happy
0: (laughs) (laughs) It, it has you're not wrong i mean i find the problem if anything with a lot of these the eroticized vampire stuff is they tend to be fucking boring a lot of them are like like any sort of erotic supernatural thing that focuses on the sex you're like, oh, for fuck's sakes, this is just, look at it, look how pretty this is, look at these two people, maybe they'll kiss at some point in the next five minutes of this continuous static shot. Fuck that, not my thing. We'll talk about that more with another movie we've got today, but this it ultimately isn't really that kind of film. This is more like a, one of those drawing room type films.
1: Yeah, it's... Um... It's basically a drawing room movie that looks not at how glamorous this time was, but at how shitty it was to be a woman in this era of the world. Uh like, like it very much it's dark, it's gloomy, it focuses on the main character who is an innocent with an un, let's say an unloving father and uh a headmistress who is just Abusive to say the least, who just relishes in torturing her for small misdeeds, uh, and they she is introduced to chaos in the form of a woman who I'm blanking on if it, it is Carmilla who is the one who shows up. Yes, well, okay. but
0: the, she doesn't know her.
1: She doesn't know her. <laughs> she name. doesn't know her name. Sorry, it, it took me a second because, quite frankly, this movie is indeed pretty slow and and not terribly remarkable, and so. Uh, it's one of the two that i had to sit and look through the write-ups again to be like oh yeah that's right that's what that's about um but yeah carmilla comes in and introduces of course like yes she is this beautiful vivacious woman who cares about life and immediately ignites that spark in the main character and the two kind of carry on a a i'm An illicit affair of the heart of sorts. Friends that are a little too friendly. (coughs) And, and, like, there's some elements of the original vampire tale in there in that uh, there's repeated dreams of this very sexual violence that keeps happening, that, that is longingly filmed at, like, stomachs being cut open and tasting blood. But that's about all it amounts to. And so, really, this movie ends up being just a a romance between these two girls in a environment where that's not really supported and the horrible shit that happens because of that and i i wanted more i wanted it to be more colorful or to have more energy for the characters to pull me in more this just felt slight uh through and through
0: It's definitely one of those films that's afraid to go and just be a horror film on some level. It has more than enough of that in there to call it a horror film still. I mean, there's all this dreamlike images of slugs and maggots and violence and demons and what have you, but nothing is actually happening. And it's never the movie goes, well, It's up to you? Do you think Carmilla was actually the one that maybe caused the wreck of like the thing she was in? Maybe she's actually a supernatural creature or more likely she's just a young lady who genuinely uh, has lesbian leanings and everyone is like, oh, well that means she's possessed by the devil. Yeah. You know, I. it's not a wildly interesting adaptation of this uh, unless these sort of more period piece, British type things are your cup of tea. Some people I think are gonna really love it. Some people did really love this. It was not for me. I did like the performances a lot. I thought uh especially the girl who plays the main character of Lara, Hannah Ray, was quite good and I could definitely see her going places. But overall it's just I mean, uh, there's sometimes things just ain't for you. And yeah, it's just just like exactly. not for me. It has a behind the scenes featurette and a bonus short film called Three Towers about a couple who meet a Scottish tourist who's telling them about nine eleven that just happened. I, I didn't watch it, but that's the the, the book either, the me. book description of it. Anyway, let's move on to our next film, which is Welcome to the Circle. Uh, so, Welcome to the Circle, Aaron. Hello. <laughs> this is the Circle. It's Come nice on in, to meet you Chris. Thank you, thank Come you for inviting in. me in. Step into the Circle. This is yes. Artsploitation Films. Who, if you've listened to a lot of Digital Noise, you know that Artsploitation. Is uh, one of those companies that we always really want to like the stuff they give us. And we are usually come out of it like, what the fuck was that?
1: Like, I I objectively appreciate their mission statement and I really wish them success and continued growth. But damn it, guys.
0: (laughs) It happens all too often. Every once in a while, they'll put out something like that was great. This is what you were looking for. But a lot of stuff is like, so you're just you're picking stuff because it's weird and off the beaten path, but not necessarily gauging whether it's any good. And I think welcome. The circle is an odd film for sure. Once again, that definitely traffics in the very strange. I mean, I think people who are like constantly trying to get the twin peaks fix might be interested in seeing this or people who really, really liked um, like uh, what the hell is the name of the film? I'm thinking the uh, resolution and spring and the oh, endless the endless, the might, endless might, is what I was thinking of. Yeah. Might actually find things to like here, but it's not as good as any of those things at all. It's weird. I've never seen anything exactly like it. It just something tonally feels like, you know, it. like
1: this is, the closest they've been in their bad movies if that makes sense like like th- this was really close to being one that i thoroughly enjoyed I-, I had a lot of fun with several parts of this movie um i kind i enjoyed the uh character who shows up well ba- basically let's get into this the, the long tell and the short block. of it is uh, sh- I'll, I'll try um tell the blood <laughs> the movie follows a couple of different sets of characters. One is a father and his daughter who end up um, basically in a car wreck and are rescued by people only to find that they're in this, cult which which what i like that scene because it like goes from zero to this is creepy as fuck and we need to leave in four seconds there is no maybe this is okay it's right from the get-go we need to get the hell out of town but like it follows them as, as they try to escape this obvious cult and then that comes to a conclusion that I'm not going to go into. Uh, And it switches to a different set of characters, which is as they try to infiltrate this cult and rescue one of the members. And it's with them that we start to get into the more interesting storyline for me uh, because they, the guy who's going in to actually uh, help them exfil this person. He is a member of the cult. He grew up there and once they get into it, you start to reveal that there's pocket dimensions within this and doors lead to other other areas where you have to not pay attention to anything. And it gets very meta and very surreal. And when it got deep into that, I really enjoyed it. It meant nothing. It was gobbledygook, admittedly, that was trying to be uh, smart, but it was still fun and clever in parts in its construction.
0: There's a lot of great ideas yeah. here. There's a lot of cool stuff and if you like if you like watching stuff that's weird just for the sake of being weird to some extent, you know, even if there is meaning here, it's too hard to get to crack what the fuck he's trying to get at. So it might as well be weird for the sake of being weird. Uh it's not boring. It moves from one thing to the next pretty fast, but like I didn't it just didn't mean anything. It I just, couldn't really parse what anything yeah. What, what the p- point of all this was, okay, so that did happen. I understand that that happened. I don't know why it happened or what caused it to happen, but it happened. And so this is what's happening to that character now. I'm like, this is just incomplete by a mile uh, in terms of conception. But they said, fuck it, we're just going to film it. They got Ben Cotton to play the guy who's sort of the ex-cult member coming in, trying to break someone else out of the cult, who's got a huge background in television and film like he's one of those guys that you go oh yeah i've I've seen that guy he's
1: that guy which is funny because i did say that when i saw him
0: yeah you're like oh it's that guy
1: (laughs) (laughs) i've seen him in that thing somewhere wait no i've seen him in a lot of things and then you IMDb him and go
0: holy shit he's in everything this is one of these where i just i kept coming in and out of whether or not i thought i liked it You know, because it would do cool shit all the way through. Like, oh, that was cool, but then by the end, I'm just sitting there thinking it. Like, and I kept thinking about it all day, and I just eventually came to the conclusion. It was nonsense.
1: (laughs) I think the movie's problem is that it relies on the thing that a lot of these movies do, where they have a character who is semi-omniscient, who basically spends the entire time speeching about whatever philosophy the movie tries to pitch. And so, like, if that dialogue isn't written well, which it's not, um, it, it just doesn't work you don't get pulled in and, and the problem is, is that it just doesn't work and so you keep going i want to care but you, you you're not really a good enough of a set of actors to pull this off and you're also not really reading a good
0: enough of a script to pull this off but you're so close that's yeah i think we're both that on the same page on this one it's yeah. just like I, you know by the way,
1: this is uh, one of the three movies that my wife watched, or four movies that my wife got to watch with me. Sorry! The, the next four are the next four, are those four. Oh, so. boy.
0: Okay. Well, at least one of them was really good, if not traumatizing as fuck. <laughs> Anyway, let's, uh, you know, I don't know how much to say about this movie because I don't really know what happened. There's a lot of people with masks. There's a lot of they're going in and out of other dimensions. And here's how that works. But all in the same place. It's all done for a zero budget. I mean, I think the biggest part of the budget was renting an RV. I, 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 I don't know.
1: I, I don't know that much else is to say if you really like that weird trippy lynch vibe but you also dig super low budget indie movies this is actually worth checking out it's not great but man they were close and they tried hard and that counts for something
0: you no know, it makes me think that this is like is nonsense is that art exploitation almost always comes with bonus features there's nothing here and if there was ever a movie that required a commentary track it's it this one this, yeah. and i'm like bullshit the director doesn't know what this movie is about <laughs> he just wanted to make a weird movie otherwise he would have recorded a commentary track for it. Yeah. Just you're saying. not wrong. Challenge laid out. <laughs> now he's going to be all mad and send me a nasty message. Uh, we're going to go back to what is a film many consider to be a classic Blue Underground, who have been doing such a tremendous job re really upgrading 4K mo- into 4K these sets of films with lots of bonus features of other movies that lots of people consider to be classic. It's just the difference being the previous stuff we reviewed from them. I was one of the people who considered it a classic. This whole, as I mentioned earlier, the erotic vampire or erotic supernatural thing, especially from the 60s and 70s, bores me fucking like crazy. Like all the Jess Franco shit. I'm like, that is not for me. I don't know what to tell you. This one, Daughters of Darkness, I've always heard is like held up as one of the very best. And I'll be honest, this is a lot better than most of the other things like this I've seen Still not really for me. It is incredibly well shot, though. I thought, like, wow, there's some gorgeous footage in this thing. There's some beautiful, neat, arresting images, and not a lot that actually happens. Yeah, this guy here actually, uh, he's he directed an Orson Welles film. What do you want? I mean, he's he's a good filmmaker, he just kind of <laughs> took a paycheck to make a movie that ended up being better because of his talent, Look, than it had any right to be. But that still doesn't mean it was a really good movie because it's not.
1: He made an Orson Welles movie, so we're just gonna give him a pass. I'm yeah. sorry, but. The- this movie was god-awful like (laughs) it 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 was weird i will give it that there there was a period in the middle where there is a mystery surrounding the main character who by the way casually beats the shit out of his wife it's kind of fun um but (sighs) the main character who doesn't want to introduce his his wife to his quote unquote mother uh, because she's an aristocrat, but his quote-unquote mother is actually a very flamboyant gay man. And, like, it, they don't finish that. So, like, the last thing we see is, oh, by the way... Yeah, it's not a mom. It's either a lover or a father or a we don't know what, but there's definitely something different here. This raises questions, and we're never going to mention that shit again. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) This movie says it's a it implies that it's a Lady Bathory kind of story. It's not. Um, I don't know, man. This was a pretty movie that was ultimately super shitty, and I was like you said bored to tears by and like my wife's one comment was that she was pissed because they didn't go back and explain what was up with his mother (laughs) Like, like that was the
0: thing we wanted out of this and we got nothing so the story is, and this is a 1971 film. It's a recently married couple, Stefan and Valerie. Stefan, played by John Carlin, who people who used to watch the original Dark Shadows series would know him from there because he was a, uh, he played a, mo- a bunch of different parts on the run of that show. But they check into this huge hotel in Belgium, uh, waiting for a Ferry. Although, once again, as you said, he's kind of like, yeah, I'm not really looking forward to bringing her home to meet my quote-unquote mother. But it's off-season, so no one else is there, uh, but the sunsets and this you know, glamorous countess whose name is straight-up Elizabeth Bathory.
1: Who I thought for half the movie was his actual mother. Right. Like, like, And they were just playing it up and being coy. It wasn't until a scene where she randomly fondles him and we're talking about murdering people that I kind of went... Probably not the mom. Even if they're going creepy, weird sex stuff, this doesn't feel very motherly.
0: <laughs> well, she, they, she shows up with her secretary, uh, clearly lover, uh, Il- Ilona, played by Andrea Rao, who was actually kind of iconically in a bunch of sex stuff at the in, in this decade. And then, as well, was kind of known for being in arty stuff. And, you know, she's one of those people who drew between the lines, but she was like one of those just glorious... Odd-lookingly beautiful people that showed up in a lot of the the nudies at this time. Anyway, so they have a connection to the couple. They're fascinated with the couple, and there's murder that happens, and, uh, and not, but not a lot, mind you. And it's unclear what's going on. And then there's a hysterical scene that, for no reason at all, the f- <laughs> fucking like Elizabeth Bathory turns into Batman in the shot. Of the- <laughs> like pulls out. her i mean i'm not even kidding you know like no. the iconic tim burton shot <laughs> she she just
1: sits there with the fucking cape out for like three minutes while the camera pans out it is hilarious and she does that twice in the movie she does it a second time but they don't call attention to it she puts her cloak out like batman and stalks after the couple it's fucking okay, weird I, Dude, i loved that part that pulled me back in for the last <laughs> 30 minutes of the movie like, Like, I I was here for the crazy batshit strangeness of it from Batman on, but... But no, this is an atrocious movie. Please, God.
0: Uh, There are people who love the shit out of this, though, man. I mean, they upgraded that. I mean, they wouldn't have upgraded this to 4K and spent a lot of money doing it. Uh, When I went to Blu-ray.com, who is who I trust with sort of comparative reviews, they compared the 4K versus the the Blu-ray release that came out previously and said, oh, my God, this is a gigantic upgrade here to 4K, which meant they spent a lot of time working on that. There's four different audio tracks here. Uh, there's a whole series of featurettes there's three different commentaries poster and still gallery I mean a really nice physical package for it I mean they just they did not oh the the CD disc with the original soundtrack a 20 page booklet a reversible cover with vintage poster art I mean clearly some people love this movie I am just not one of these and neither are you you're not wrong. This is a fantastic
1: package. Like, this is one of those things where there's my opinion on it, and then there's the actual facts. Like, this is a great release. And for those people out there who are fans of weird, slow, fog filled shots in 70s vampire lesbian. Art exploitation films, then man, this is your holy grail. You are going to love the shit out of this. Aaron is just all
0: like, look, man, I get it. It's fine. (laughs) Everything, art is subjective. You like what you like. So if you're one of those people who likes bullshit, (laughs) this is for you. (laughs) (laughs) Such a balanced review, we do. Sorry, like
1: you, you mentioned earlier with, with the Carmilla, like I, I, you said that that's one of those movies that wasn't just just wasn't for you, and like that was a movie that I, I actually had issues with how it was made, and I, I think that it had some objective issues. This is one of those movies where I'm like, no, if this is your bag, man, go for it, and more power to you. I'm not making fun of your stuff; it's just not my cup of tea.
0: Hmm, fair enough. Yeah, not mine either. But uh, let's move on to another movie that was from Film Movement, who do a lot of very art very oriented stuff, a lot of indie stuff. And every once in a while, they'll do something that's like, I mean, they do a lot of films when we, when we do watch them. I'm like, oh, that was really interesting. I'm probably never going to watch that again. But it was interesting. And this one is probably one of the better ones, I thought, that I've gotten from them, Sword of God. And it's a weird little movie. <laughs> it's, it's a weird concept
1: it feels very much like um is it george cosmopolis the the guy who made um beyond the dark rainbow and mandy um it feels like him making a viking epic on a small budget and like it follows two two christians who were to go into this island on a mission essentially uh and they shipwreck uh, and their entire crew is lost their entire missionary i'm a terrible christian i'm sorry or, or i'm not even a christian anymore is it mission or missionary work or whatever i don't
0: it, know their missionary <laughs> mission
1: <laughs> um but everybody dies and they're stuck on the island with a bunch of quote unquote heathens basically natives who live there who worship a mud god and the two men come down on opposing sides as to how they should approach the the people who live there and their religion. And, you know, should they be subjugated and brutally murdered or should they be supported and loved? And then it kind of ultimately culminates in this giant, violent, religious fervor where just shit gets killed everywhere. But it also does it at this incredibly slow mostly monochromatic, very calm, artistically shot pace. Like it this could be a grindhouse classic and instead it feels more like an art house indie.
0: It's definitely more of an art house indie but with a lot of art house horror elements yeah. to it and I it's very critical of of religion. Yes. Def- and, and not in the idea of having a religion. It's critical specifically of the aspect of a religion that says, well, if I have a religion, then my job is to even kill you if I have to, to make sure that you don't have a different religion. Yeah. And which is like, duh, this has obviously been a problem <laughs> with humans. <laughs> you know, this is a problem we've encountered a few times. We're looking into it. We might have to turn it on and off again and see what <laughs> happens. But... I think this is beautifully shot. I love the performances. This is a Polish film. There's a lot of interesting films coming out of Poland these days. Although this one is actually, I want to say this kink uh, dates to 2017 or 2018. It was originally 18. released as the mute because the guy, the other guy who's with him as sort of a, a, way of showing the natives that like, I want to connect with you. He sews his mouth shut Right? I said this is like, got art horror shit in it. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, he, like, literally takes a needle and leather thread and, like, sews his mouth shut, and they're like, oh, look, he's definitely some sort of, like, murder god thing, and they all start following him, which really pisses off the more fundamentalist guys. Like, this this shit will not stand, bro. Oh, dude, people get burned alive in this a lot.
1: Uh, a lot of people sew up their mouths on camera. Like, Like, honestly, one of my biggest issues was just that it ended up being a DVD, and this is a beautiful enough movie that I really wanted a pristine, clean copy. Uh, Like, I want to see this in 1080p or 4K or something, no matter what they filmed it on.
0: It's not a very... I completely understand and agree with everything they're getting at and they're doing. And the story is in fact, interesting in the way it follows with the relationship of these two characters. The imagery is really unique. The, the way the cult is designed, the way that they're with the stuff they worship is all cool and super creepy. And looks like if the Blair witch project, like the prequel or something, but like, Ultimately, it's not doesn't have a lot to say that you didn't already know, which is why I think this didn't have as many legs as they were hoping it would. But I sure it's so well shot and such a beautiful looking film just with what they're actually shooting. I would love to have seen a much better keep copy. But on DVD, I'm like, I
1: alternatively, I also would have liked to have seen them edit a good 20 minutes out of this movie, because I think that. Like, one of the biggest issues I had was that it's an incredibly slow-moving film as well that will take minutes of just the camera very calmly shifting from one perspective to the other. To It gives you a, a tonal feel, like a sense of dread and awe, which does indeed work for you. That's why I kind of think it feels like the... Uh, uh, the filmmaker who made Beyond the Black Rainbow and Mandy, because he tends to do that as well, um, and so like, like it felt very much in that vein. But yeah, I, I would have appreciated it to have a little bit shorter runtime. And like we said, a, a Blu-ray copy.
0: So you're the one who reviewed Dahmer with me, right? I am. Okay, so for anybody who saw that movie and went. Man, this is totally my sort of thing, but you know what this needs? This needs to have half the budget, have been filmed about 10 years before that with a bunch of, with no one I recognize at all, and done with British people. Then, Cold Light of Day from Arrow is what you've been looking for. I think
1: half the budget is very generous of you. Yeah. This movie was made with 50 bucks a handy cam and a six pack of coke. (laughs) Like, I, I like the the there's I respect Arrow as I always do for putting out a reference quality um release of this, but like the audio that they actually recorded is really bad. Yeah. The lighting is really bad. This movie is filmed all in like blank white offices or warehouses. Now now having gone that, this is the story of a notorious london i'm gonna say yeah yeah. Uh, yeah london serial killer who has had another movie made about him that just came out that is drastically different
0: he he was uh he was scottish but he but, but i believe he lived yeah. in london uh his name was dennis andrew nielsen and so
1: like the movie it, it Dahmer is a good comparison. It very much tracks this character, or this guy who who did exist as he goes out and he meets men and he brings them back to his house. And he he, you can see him trying to maintain some kind of a relationship until his impulsiveness gets the better of them. And he kills them, strangles them and hides them in his floorboards and his walls uh, and does it again and again and that's kind of the movie is just this very slice of life, dry, poorly shot and recorded movie about a guy having conversations until he chokes somebody to death.
0: Yeah. It's a, uh, you know, I mean, it's a quote unquote true crime film, but it's shot on 16 millimeter. So that's why it looks so shitty. You know, it's shitty stock in the first place. Yeah. It's definitely not 35. Uh, And it's just kind of dry and dull and everything looks the same and it's kind of bland. And I mean, I could see it being much more lurid and exciting when it came out than it is now when it feels a little quaint that we should be shocked by this.
1: And it's the the best part of the movie. And this is the part that is almost makes this movie worth watching in the modern day is that... it's told in two parts. There's him after he's been caught and he's been interrogated by the police. And then there's the actual story of him meeting the men and murdering them. The meeting the men and murdering them is, is slow. The kills are kind of not interesting. and it, yeah. <laughs> But the interrogation yeah. is amazing because the police officer interrogating him like 30 seconds into the movie he goes like i don't care that you've admitted i'm gonna fucking torture you and i'm just gonna like you're a pervert and you're evil and you need to know that you're evil and it's like him just kind of Abusing this man in the most hilariously horrifyingly yellingly way, and i I had a lot of fun watching those interrogation moments. that was such a bad actor. I was into it
0: <laughs> i mean if the one thing you can get out of a movie is the point where it's at its worst is it reaches the level of being funny, I guess that's something yeah uh yeah, I did not care for this at all i i don't know why anyone outside of a scholarly reason would want to watch this, but there's a lot of Arrow put together a good package. I mean, it probably looks a lot better than it has any other time before, but once again, you can only do, you can only polish a turd so much when it's filmed on 16 millimeter. Yeah. But there's a lot of bonus features. There's an interview with actor Martin Byrne Quinn. Uh, there is a interview with actor Steve Monroe. There's a piece with uh, featuring uh Ewan Kant, who works for Arrow Films. Escorting uh, Fiona Louise, who I guess was – was she the – yeah, she was the director and writer around a lot of the locations where the film was originally shot, which you can only imagine have fallen apart since then, and they didn't look great then. There's the original promotional film short that was meant to help raise funds to make it – should have made a better promotional film i guess there's a re-release trailer there's two short films by filmmaker john jacobs which feature uh appearances by cold light of day writer and director fiona louise metropolis apocalypse and sleepwalker and there's two different commentaries and of course the insert booklet that is a lot for a movie that i have don't think i've ever met anyone who was excited for so One thing I want to call out to,
1: and and I'm going
0: to be a petty little
1: bitch right now, and I'm fully aware of that. Oh, boy. Um, So, I do not know what else this writer-director has done. I have not IMDb'd them. They could be a legitimately historically important director. But you better be damn proud of your movie as the writer-director to end your film on a quote by you. This person does it. And this movie does not earn that whatsoever.
0: Uh, This was the only
1: thing they ever did. Oh, my God. They ended the movie on a quote by themselves. I cackled at that. (laughs) Because it was like, it's it's some auspicious, pretentious shit quote. And then it's like, by someone. And then then the next page is written
0: and directed by that same person. And I was just
1: like, oh, my God.
0: So, our final movie this week is our pick of the week, and I don't feel like we're going to have to negotiate on that one, um, If for no other reason that it is, in fact, the only one of this whole stack that I would genuinely say 100% is a great movie.
1: I would agree with that.
0: Like, I mean, hell, it's the only one you could even say 100% is a good movie, but still. Uh, <laughs> Requiem for a Dream. Which...
1: Right off the bat, fuck you, Chris, for making me watch this
0: movie again. Everybody needs to go <laughs> confront this movie again at some point. I think it's it's good for the soul to go back and like... And I'm really glad, because I, I remember seeing this movie in when it came out in 2000, this Darren Aronofsky film in the theater, and just being like everybody else, like sitting there like unsteady, like, what the fuck did I just see? Jesus Christ, I fucking will never... I don't know, I don't want to eat, I don't want to sleep, I just want to curl up in a ball and cry somewhere... And I'm glad I went back and wa- rewatched it. And I ended up rewatching it a bunch more times. I already liked Aronofsky. I'd watched some of his other stuff. I was like, yeah, this guy's a really fascinating director. This, I think, is still, his in many ways, his masterpiece. I mean, this and Black Swan are kind of like, hmm, six, six one, half dozen of the other. Which one is better? But this was like a groundbreaker of a film, v- like visually, with score. God, the Clint Mansell score was like, what? it would never leave my head that I was like, man, I couldn't get that out of my head for like three years. I still can't get it out of my head completely. And these tremendous performances from especially Ellen Burstyn who is so, so good playing Jared Leto's elderly mom who is getting addicted to uh, basically speed because she's trying their diet pills. The whole film is about addiction and everyone getting addicted to things with Jared Leto as her son. And he and Marlon Wayans are two buddies who are always trying to get the next score and they're junkies. And his girlfriend is Jennifer Connelly. He's also a junkie. And The whole thing is really about different types of addiction Everybody is really good in it, to be sure. I mean, even Marlon Wayans. I mean, remember, this is the first thing he had done that wasn't comedy. And uh, I'm going, wow, Marlon Wayans was really good. I'd watch him in other stuff. And it gets super, super surreal, but in the way that it's strict that it's constrained by what you understand is happening you know like especially as the mom starts entering this hallucinatory world of the tv show she's dieting that she's hoping she's going to get on as her house is kind of coming apart and being replaced by this tv studio it's just an astonishing visual sequence this movie is one of the rare few
1: movies that i label as perfect Um, It is a tour de force. There's not a single bad performance in the entire movie. Uh, It has a visual style, which even watching now in 2020, I don't think has ever been replicated because it has this immediate beauty to it. Because Darren Aronofsky can compose a fucking shot like nobody's business and he can edit together a sequence like nobody's business. But he does that by not being um super languid and fluid and flowy cam with bright color like bright beautiful colors and instead goes hardcore like handheld with it but it achieves the same effect like it's this jarring mix of hard cuts extreme close ups which are david fincher and level of quality and it, yeah, he just goes super surreal with the editing and the footage. Uh, it has some of the most arresting images I've I've seen that still haunt me. Like the fridge coming loose from the wall and trying to eat uh, the mother. Like that, that shit has burned into my brain and will not leave. And, and so the, the movie is told in seasons over the course of like a single year of bad decisions uh, as all of these characters just fall apart. And and I remember I remember from what I originally saw this going like, wow, that's a great movie. I'll never watch that again. Ever. ever <laughs> yeah, ever, a lot ever, of people ever. said that. Um and this is my first time rewatching it and I was with it and going like, you know, this movie plays a lot differently now in 2020 versus when it came out because we've had a couple more decades to just sit in the opioid crisis and like how easy it is to get addicted. And it goes through summer, and you're, like, with it, and it goes through winter, and I'm like, yeah, you know, like, this is really relevant, and this is powerful, and I'm really loving this. And then it gets to the final season of the movie, and I, it broke me. I just was, like, <laughs> weeping uncontrollably. It was like you said. I was weeping uncontrollably and just quiet for, like, 20 minutes after just just thinking just sitting and thinking about what that meant to me and how i how it changed me going through that
0: so what we're saying is this is a damn good movie you ought to buy it it's our pick of the week yeah and it's (laughs) it's the 4k release of a film that should have been in the first round of 4k release things to get upgraded to 4k because it's just such a beautiful beautiful looking and sounding movie Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't even think from everything I'm reading, a lot of people are like, this is a much better version than a previous version. I have a feeling that we'll see an even better version somewhere down the line of it. But you know, uh, it's largely the same bonus features that previously have come out that are, uh, it comes with the original Blu-ray as well, but it's still, like I said, this is a solid, cannot miss great fucking movie. That's deeply upsetting deeply upsetting film. I mean, I don't mean just like sad or something. I mean, it is it graphic oh. and disturbing as fuck. I mean, it is more disturbing than your average Italian 70s horror film. Like, it is dark. And, you know, I remember I grew up with the biggest crush on Jennifer Connelly, right? You know, every, I saw her in Labyrinth and was like, yeah, damn, <laughs> who was that? And kept on going. And this I'm like 30 and I'm like, oh, yeah. Jennifer Connelly, she's so hot. Let's go. And if you had told me going into this film that I would watch a scene in this movie with Jennifer Connelly and another girl going ass-to-ass porn in a graphic sequence and and hate it and be mad and crying, I would have gone, man, you
1: crazy. Yeah, I, I, This may be a career best performance by every single major actor in this movie.
0: Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. Uh, well, you know, Dark City, but hey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's it. We're done with Digital Noise. It's done for this week. Relatively short show, but hey, what are you going to do? We kind of saw a lot of these. We didn't have as much to talk about as usual, so what, what are you going to do? Yeah. But goodbye, Requiem for a Dream. It's on 4K. You yeah. got a 4K player? There right. you
1: go. It's worth it. It comes with a Blu-ray, even if you don't have a 4K player. You should still buy it. It's a good movie.
0: Because you're going to get one eventually. Just you're going to end up uh, whenever it. you buy a new TV. It's not you're going to go. Nah, give me one of them TVs that aren't 4K. You're not going to do that. I, I'm not going to lie. I. I have
1: a ps4 pro now they can do hdr and i didn't realize that my tv could not handle hdr and now i have this part in the back of my brain that i can't turn off and it's slowly getting louder every time i boot up like horizon zero dawn or death Stranding. that's like you need a new tv why don't you, you need, have hdr you need something TV. that can do hdr Aaron. buy
0: it and then you know I realize I'm broke. So I didn't. and you're like, Chris keeps sending you all these 4K movies. Think how much better they would look if you were actually watching them that way they were intended. <laughs>
1: God damn
0: it! <laughs> you're not <laughs> wrong. <laughs> what? Oh, thank you. Yeah. No, we said 100. Okay. Thanks. All right.